Welcome to the Hypnotic Healers Podcast, your home for insights and insider knowledge about hypnotic change work. With your hosts, control practitioners and hypnotists, Nicole Mazzucato and Anthony Gitch. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hypnotic Healers. I'm Nicole Mazzucato and as always, I'm here with my friend and co-host Anthony Gitch all the way on the other side of the pond. Our usual disclaimer before we get started, neither Anthony nor I nor our guests today are licensed psychologists, psychiatrists or medical professionals of any sort. So please do not make any changes or alterations to any medications or treatments you're on based on the conversation you hear here today. Take what you like, leave the rest. And while you're leaving stuff, you could leave us a like, a love, a heart, a thumbs up, a great review, send us a message, share us around, and let's just dive straight in. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Nicole. How are you today? I'm very, very, very excited to for you to introduce our guest for today. So let's just dive straight in. (laughs) We are going to, everybody, I am really um, excited to have on the show with us this week Mr. Roy Hunter, one of the founding uh, fathers of parts therapy, um, the guy that I don't think that anybody who is in this business doesn't have at least one of his books on their shelf, um, <laughs> or at least they should. Um, it's called Parts Therapy. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Roy, we're super happy to have you here, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. It's an honor. The honor is all ours. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Nicole just found out that he has been a registered hypnotherapist since she was born. Well, yeah, you were were saying you you, you did your original training in 1983. What made you you do a training? Well, um, I'll give you some background information. Okay. Um, I suffered a permanent back injury in 1982. And hypnosis really helped me tame the uh, pain to a tolerable level. Uh, The doctor told me that I would be on daily pain meds for the rest of my life. And I don't use hypnosis or self-hypnosis to totally mask the pain because that could result in further back injury because hypnosis doesn't heal a disintegrated disc in my lower back. However, mm. it helps me tame the pain to a tolerable level. But if I overdo it, the pain warns me because pain is a warning something's wrong with the body. But that really got me interested in the power of the subconscious. And I knew that I didn't have long for selling business equipment for uh, Litton Industries. And I was open to a new profession. And without giving you the details, I had the opportunity to study under uh, someone at the time I just thought was a local teacher of hypnosis. Turned out Charles Tebbets was a 20th century legend, but I did not know that until (laughs) (laughs) some time later. So he was my original trainer. And in addition to being uh, the pioneer of parts therapy, He was also one of the pioneers of client-centered hypnosis, which means you fit the technique to the client instead of vice versa. Mm. And I have seen hypnotherapy uh, come a long ways as a profession in the four decades I've been in it. Uh, Because back back in uh, the 1980s, more people than not considered hypnosis as a quackery. And Mm -hmm. I was more than once accused of uh, 
being a quack artist back in the 80s. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't nearly as acceptable then as it is now. Part of the reason mm. for that is because most people who called themselves hypnotherapists received grossly inadequate training. So not only have I seen our profession grow in credibility, I have seen the percentage of hypnosis instructors greatly improve in terms of having more credible training courses uh, because uh, back in the 80s and 90s, most hypnosis training programs were way too short. There were a lot of three-day crash courses. And then eventually in the early 90s, uh, when the largest hypnosis association in the world got affiliated with uh, the OPEIU, uh, the union at least encouraged uh, two weeks as a minimum, but two weeks is not enough to learn client-centered hypnotherapy. I studied for several months under Charles Tebbets. So then when uh, I had four years in the profession, he said, Hunter, I'd like you to teach my course. I said, Charlie, I've only been in hypnosis for four years. I'm not qualified to teach. And he said, I know a good teacher when I see one. And he said, don't say no, but you don't have to say yes. He said, just promise me that uh, you'll consider it seriously and let me know by the uh, next few weeks. So having come from a religious background, I wasn't normally accustomed to the idea of asking God for a sign, but uh, he argued with me and tried his best to persuade me that I was qualified to teach. So I decided, okay, God, I need a sign. If I'm supposed to teach, then let me sell uh, my department chair at Tacoma Community College on the idea because I wasn't aware of anywhere in the country where a professional hypnotherapy training course was taught in a college. Right. And then uh, I was doing uh, self-hypnosis classes for the continuing professional education in the evenings. So the following week, my department chair said, I want to run an idea by you. Uh, can you meet me for dinner uh, an hour before your class? I'll pay. And I was debating whether or not I should ask her, and I chickened out. And then five minutes into the dinner conversation, she said, have you ever considered teaching a professional hypnosis certification course? <laughs> that was the answer to my prayer. <laughs> but instead of me trying to sell her, she asked me. So... I couldn't say no. And that's how my teaching career started. Very good. <laughs> and then before well, he passed away, Charles Tebbets, out of all the thousands of students he certified, he asked me to continue his work. Well, so anyone who has the art of hypnosis and or the art of hypnotherapy has mm -hmm. either the first three months or the last six months of my course that I taught at college for decades. Wow. And I stopped teaching my nine-month course when my wife uh, got totally disabled. Wow. So how many years did you teach at the college for? I started teaching in the fall of 1987. 
And after the turn of the century, they had a new department chair. And I suspect that the new department chair was a hypnosis skeptic because uh, the classes shrank from uh, 12 to 20 down to only five or six. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, he denied trying to sabotage the course, but I heard from somebody on the inside that that's kind of what happened. That's too bad. And I never did discover the full facts. So then uh, one of my former students asked if she could teach and if I could teach her to become a hypnosis instructor. And since I had increasing opportunities to do workshops abroad, I felt it was time to do that. So she was almost like a sister to me. And then I started traveling so many times that she was teaching to the point where we needed a, a third instructor. So another one of my former hypnotherapy students joined the teaching team. And I sat in on the class the first two or three times I let him teach it. And he was really good. Well, he was the former dean of a college, so. <laughs> he had, <laughs> he had some good. teaching yeah. experience, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should have a little bit of experience there for sure. That's an interesting way to get into things. And then, so when did you start writing your books? That's an interesting story because um, when Charles Tebbets was alive, we had annual conferences in the Pacific Northwest. But they were, although we occasionally had people come from out of state, they were regional conferences, so most of the people uh, lived in Washington who came. And in uh, 1986, Orman McGill was our keynote speaker. And he, of course, was a 20th century legend for stage hypnosis. When I met Orman McGill, he shook my hand, put his left hand on my shoulder, and said, so good to see you again, my dear friend. And I said, Mr. McGill, I have several of your books, but I've never met you. And he said, oh, we were friends in several past lives. <laughs> <laughs> Less than one day later, he said, okay, Roy, when are you going to write your first book? I said, I wrote one several years ago. And after 17 reject letters, I decided this uh, being an author was not my uh, life path. He said, what'd you write? I said, science fiction. He said, no, no, your life path isn't science fiction. He said, your life path is to write books for the hypnosis profession. And to this day, I don't know how he knew. I didn't believe him then, but he encouraged me to uh, send my self-hypnosis book to Gil Boyne. But... You, it yeah, was. you see, you've been in the industry. You've all of these. I don't know if you recognize some of these names, Nicole. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. These are like heavy, the heavy yeah. hitters, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the main players. Yeah, so Gil the, the foundation. <laughs> the first version was self-published as Hypnosize, but uh, uh, Orman strongly urged me to send the copy to Gil Boyne, so he republished it as Success Through Mind Power, and then. Uh, for several years, Gil Boynton and I had a parting of the ways when he and Charles Tebbets had a parting of the ways. Gil forced me to choose. And if you put me in a no-win situation, you don't win. Mm. 
So uh, Gilboyne found out that I was not a yes man. And I said, I'll support both of you for the good you do for the profession, but I'll support neither one of you in uh, libel or slander. Very and Gil good. forced me to choose. So I said, if you force me to choose, I choose Charles Tebbets. And several years passed, and I got a formal letter uninviting me to be a presenter at the 1988 uh, International Hypnotherapy Conference. <laughs> so I didn't expect to talk to Gil Boyne again the rest of my life. And then in the late 1990s, years after Charlie had passed, I get this phone call. Gil Boyne here. I said, Gil, what a surprise to hear from you after all these years. What can I do for you? <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> he said, uh, two favors, if you wish. Or he said, two favors, if uh, you agree. He said, first, please accept my apology. I was so surprised you could have knocked me over with a feather. <laughs> and then he said, secondly, I would like you uh, to be my special guest at the, uh, this year's uh, International Hypnotherapy Conference and teach parts therapy. So Gil and I mended fences and reconciled. Very good. So, so now I've had quite a journey in this the, profession. You're, you're part of the whole <laughs> Tom Silver bunch then too. You must be somehow interrelated, you know, because he's done work with a lot of work with Orman as well. And, and, and that whole group, you know, they, you guys really got a, a really, what a, I'm kind of envious that they got the kind of trainings and stuff that they did with these folks. You know, thank goodness that they trained you guys and you've been passing it down to the people that you've been working with because we all need these skills and these techniques that are out there. And, and, and we don't need to, you know, I mean, there's some things that are okay to be left to the side, but there's a lot of really valuable stuff to be taught or, 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 or gained from, from that knowledge. Well, in the eighties and nineties, my course was one of the most comprehensive in the country. I won't say the world because um, I found out in the first part of the 21st century when I was asked to be a keynote speaker at the Australian Hypnotherapist Association, they have a very credible training program of several hundred hours. Oh, wow. And they are the oldest hypnosis association in the world. The Australian uh, Hypnotherapy Association of, trying to think of the title, Australian Hypnotherapist Association. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I didn't know that. Uh, they were founded uh, before the NGH because the NGH for years claimed to be the oldest hypnosis association. They weren't the oldest in the United States until the Washington Hypnosis Association died before the end of the 20th century. You know, and I don't understand how that kind of stuff happened. That's really unfortunate that, that Washington State, because, you know, we're a really active state in, mm -hmm. in hypnosis. We are, you know, I mean, you live just down the road from, well, not just down the road from me, but you're down the <laughs> road from me, you know, and it's, there's a lot going on here and, and there's so little um, 
intercommunication or, 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 or uh, I'm not going to say there's a lack of camaraderie because there's a lot of camaraderie. We get together a lot, but we don't do things as a community in hypnosis in this state a lot, which is changing, of course, this year because you're going to be presenting, of and course, I'm at the conference. very happy and, to see another uh, conference here because I missed it um, before the last conference happened. Uh, the Washington Hypnosis Association and the Pacific Northwest chapter of the NGH cooperated together to have several joint conferences. And uh, that happened when I founded the first Pacific Northwest chapter of the NGH. I went to the uh, president of the WHA and said, uh, why don't we have joint conferences instead of having our annual conferences one weekend apart, which is competitive. Instead mm -hmm. of a lose-lose, let's combine our forces and have a win-win. And then one of the board members looked at me and said, are you trying to take us over? I said, no. I said, we only need one chief. And I looked at their president and I said, uh, you can be the chief and I'll cooperate in any way you wish to make this conference a win-win. Hmm. And when I said that, their board unanimously agreed. So the next year, we had a very successful and profitable conference. And it ended up giving us a fairly comfortable treasury for the uh, local chapter of the NGH. Well, hopefully, Jim and I will have a, a at least be able to pay for the damn conference. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 been an interesting process, but we're we're really excited about it because you know we do we have got amazing presenters. You're doing the only post conference event that we that we offer because you're you, um, and of course you're getting the lifetime achievement award. So you know, and and yeah, so we uh, really spoiler alert. <laughs> well, he, he knew that. And, you know, we, we told him ahead of time because it's like, well, if Roy doesn't show up for this thing or he doesn't, you know, if for some reason he's not interested, then we, we, we want to give this to somebody who's going to be there. Um, so we called Roy. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, we wanted him involved um, because, you know, I mean, like I said, everybody's got one of your books and, and we should all have one of your books. You know, I mean, mm. there's valuable info and I don't care. If you oh, do. getting back to a question you asked me earlier about oh, the yeah. books, when I uh, was teaching at the college, I found students appreciated handouts. So I made handouts for every class and mm. uh, photocopied them. And then after Charlie passed away, I decided it was time to write a textbook. So I put his teachings in textbook form. And Joyce Tebbets was absolutely delighted. And I was happy that she wrote the preface for the Art of Hypnotherapy, which was months four through nine. The Art of Hypnosis was the first three months. And at mm -hmm. the time, I never dreamed that schools all over the world would use one or both of those books for their students. And eventually, I connected with uh, people who were, had asked me to write a book on parts therapy. And that came out in 2005, Crown House Publishing. And Crown House eventually uh, took over the art of hypnosis and the art of hypnotherapy. And then I met Bruce Eimer, who was a 
licensed clinical psychologist, and he uh, had been recommending my books to psychologists and physicians that he was mentoring for ASCH with uh, as a supervisor and a hypnosis trainer. And he told me one of the most common questions asked was, why are you recommending books written by a lay hypnotist? Mm-hmm. And he said, read the book and then ask me the question. And he said, <laughs> uh, <laughs> after they read the book, they didn't need to ask the question. Right. And then uh, eventually he decided he wanted to meet the author of those books. So he showed up at a parts therapy workshop uh, that I taught at NGH. And uh, we found out we were on the same page with uh, people who didn't like regression and were skeptical of regression. So this was our formal answer to the regression critics. Yeah. And this book helped build a bridge between psychology and hypnotherapy. But for oh, those that are, they're listening in, Roy was holding up the art of hyp- uh, hypno- hypnotic regression, one of his, one of his books. Right. Yes. And Bruce Eimer, PhD and ABPP, co-authored it with me. Mm, right. Fabulous. And, yeah. What a uh, career. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to still be going and to be, like you said earlier, you know, you're going to do this until, until you can't. And, and boy, aren't we, aren't we lucky for that, I think. And, you know, because I think the hypnosis community at large, we need people like you um, mm. to continue to share so we can continue to learn. Thank you. I just, um, it doesn't seem that long ago when I was just a newbie wanting to learn everything I could. And I have to admit, even though I'll be 80 this year, I have more questions than answers. (laughs) Well, good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and isn't that good? Because once you stop, I've always believed that once you stop having questions, you've just stopped. You've reached the end. Yeah. Well, they say the more you know, the more questions you have, right? The more, right. The more you know, the, the more you realize you don't know, right? There's just... <laughs> I have experienced that. <laughs> so, yeah. But at the same time, when I first got certified, I told God I wanted to help as many people as possible. At that time, I thought if I could help at least 10,000 people, I'd leave the planet better off than when I came. Never mm-hmm. in my wildest fantasies would I have dreamed that I would indirectly, through my books, help millions. Mm. In fact, some psychic gave me a free psychic reading uh, back in the mid-80s and told me that someday I would become very famous. I didn't believe her. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that all of, all of the premonitions people have given you have been, have been right. spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you need to start listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting you would say that because uh, whenever I would teach the class on the intake uh, to my students, I would emphasize the importance of listening. Mm. Because yeah. if you aren't willing to listen to your clients, you'll miss a lot of opportunities to help them. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And and Roy, in terms so you've done a lot of training training of, of of other hypnotists do you have you done a lot of one-on-one work do you still work one-on-one with with clients yes i do but i rarely see clients at my office anymore because mm. uh one 
caregiving is almost a full-time job. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to abandon the woman I love. Right. And number two, COVID taught me to get comfortable with remote sessions, which I was a skeptic of for decades. (laughs) 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 But what I find interesting is most of my clients now are hypnosis professionals. And I've even had a few authors and trainers as clients. So I do professional mentoring as well as uh, hypnotherapy. Right on. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, I, that doesn't surprise me very much because I know that when Mm. I'm looking for help now, there are people within the industry that I have created connections with that it's like, Mm. you know what? I think that they're the person who may be able to help me with that. Right. Mm. Just because of whatever it is that they do or the connection that we've had. So I think that that's really a, a valuable thing that we support each other that way and, and, and can rely on each other to get good help. Indeed. Indeed. But I'm very particular about who walks in my subconscious. (laughs) (laughs) It is my professional opinion that anyone in our profession who has not learned regression therapy and either parts therapy or one of its variations would be better off professionally to call himself or herself a hypnosis professional rather than a hypnotherapist because there are some problems that you cannot help someone overcome without using either regression therapy or parts therapy or one of its variations. And that is a professional opinion based on the combination of four decades of experience and tens of thousands of clients. I've uh, same during my career. And I would tend to agree that you, you do know, I, you do need one of those components. For me, it's the parts piece, right? Um, that's, that's, that's the route that I use. Um, just because of my, 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 my previous rendition of how I was originally trained was all regression, abreactive work, um, abreaction, you know, directed abreaction. And it was successful, but I sure didn't like doing it. Um, I didn't enjoy it even one single bit. I, I didn't like it at all. Now, the way that I do things with the parts work, um, that's essentially what control is, you know, I mean, essentially. And, and so, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think that it's absolutely something that is required in order. It's no different than, than Gordon Emerson's kind of idea of ego state therapy, right? I mean, it's, it's a different yes. sort of, it's very I similar I had the privilege ideas. of meeting Gordon Emerson when I taught parts therapy in 2006 in Melbourne, Australia. Oh, I didn't right realize <laughs> he was from Australia, but he showed up with several of his ego state therapy students and we hit it off as instant friends. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very honored that uh, he agreed to write the uh, forward for the for your hypnotic the, regression. Yes, yes, that was <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah no, he didn't write the forward. He he wrote the preface. Preface. So right on, right on. Yeah, he's got some good stuff. I think that it's really important that, like you said, that everybody has some something like that in there. And you know, the important thing I, I think for people to take away from that statement is that one or the other, 
right? You, 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 you need to have a tool that is going to be able to create change, but you don't have to follow one particular, there isn't just one way to the top of the mountain. Well, that's the whole point that's of so client, client-centered yeah, hypnotherapy, yeah, right? You're, yeah, you're, yeah, I you're mean, choosing the tool to fit the client rather than right. the client but to I mean, fit even what... F- even for the for the therapist to pick the tool that is right for them, that Correct. they're most mm. comfortable using. And just like you said, there's more than one way to the top of the mountain. Sure. Uh, there's more than one way to help a client resolve inner conflicts, which is why mm. when I teach parts therapy, I talk about the variations so people can understand uh, that parts therapy isn't the only way to access parts. In NLP, mm-hmm. there's a six-step reframe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gordon Emerson, after taking my parts therapy workshop, uh, being a scientist, having an analytical mind, he evolved ego state therapy into resource therapy, which has uh, a more complex protocol than the 11-step process for parts therapy. However, my parts therapy protocol has passed the test of time going back uh, four decades now. Mm. So is your protocol you um, originated with Charles Tibbetts or Correct. this was some, so it's something that originated with Charles Tibbetts and that you developed over time and, and have become... One of one of yeah one of the the biggest names in parts therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, never did I dream back in the eighties that I would ever be considered a world authority on parts therapy. But uh, mm. Charlie, out of all the thousands of students he trained, he asked me to continue his work with mm. his course and his parts therapy. Uh, the first change I made was Charlie was an arbitrator. I'm a mediator. The arbitration Mm -hmm. resulted in several sessions going south for me my first year in the business. So I changed that um, several years before Charlie asked me to teach his course. And then uh, one day I get a call from him. Hunter, what's this I hear about? You're not teaching the great debate. I said, uh, can I come up and talk to you in person about it? So I drove up to Edmonds the next day and I told him that um, one of my former students had taken hypnosis from both me and Charlie because he wanted to get the full meal deal and find out what was different, if anything, between Charlie and me. And what he found different is that Charlie was an arbitrator and I emphasized mediation. So he tried it Charlie's way. And he had a session go south. He said, um, I uh, was arbitrating like Charlie did. And I lost the great debate. And she came mm-hmm. up out of hypnosis and I can't even get her back into hypnosis. And I said, well, what were you saying? And he said, well, uh, my client was in the same church I'm in. And uh, I uh, told that part that was talking back to me, the husband is the head of the house. So you need to do what your husband says. And she popped mm-hmm. up out of hypnosis. Couldn't get her back in. And he said, yeah, how do oh, I yeah. deal with it? I said, well, uh, if you offended me, what would the first thing be that you would do? He said, well, I would apologize. I said, that's what you do. You apologize to the part you offended. And he said, how can I do that when I can't even get her back into hypnosis? I said, you apologize before you start the induction. Well, and I said, 
don't you think that part's going to be listening? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so he tried that at work after he got her in hypnosis. Then he called out the part and apologized again and was able to help her resolve her inner conflict by mediating. Mm. So I told that story to Charlie and he leaned back. You know, we're talking about a man in his 80s and people have said for decades, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And he's rocking back in his chair and he says, Hunter, if you found a better way to practice and teach parts therapy, do it with my blessing. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Right on. So I've made a few other minor changes in the uh, process. For example, my first uh, decade teaching, I called it the 12-step process, but I didn't like the fact that uh, people think of the 12-step process as part of AA. Right. Mm. <laughs> the first thing, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then uh, sometime in the mid-90s, one of my hypnotherapist students raised her hand and said, why do you consider suggestion and imagery as a 12th step? She said, isn't that uh, part of the relearning process? So doesn't parts therapy end when you integrate the parts? I looked at her. I said, by God, you're right. So what used to be the 12th step is now uh, the first step of the uh, concluding phase of parts therapy. Mm. Right and on. Then, I so I changed it to an 11-step process, yeah. or sometimes I call it the 11-step protocol. Some, some, some schools teach to get rid of the part, and, and my understanding is that you, that's never the case. You know, there's no need to ever ever kind of like ex, what's the word like ex, exile yeah, yeah excommunicate whatever it is my, my understanding is that that's that's never necessary can you can you I, share some insight it is very rarely very rarely necessary but i don't lead mm. occasionally there'll be a very negative part and another part will tell me why don't you get rid of silly? Isn't it obvious by now silly's a, an entity or a demonic entity? I don't assume that it is, and I don't assume that it isn't. But mm. this happened in 2006 when I was doing a demonstration at the London College of Clinical Hypnosis in person teaching a part therapy master class. And my first thought was, oh, no, God, I don't want to have to do an entity release in front of all of these professionals. But I did what I've practiced and taught for decades. It's safe if one part accuses another of being an entity. It's safe to assume at some level of consciousness your client believes in God or a higher power. So I immediately call out the higher power part. So mm -hmm. I said, uh, Jenny, not her real name, there is a part of you that is most closely connected to your perception of God or higher power. And for your highest and best good, I invite that part to come forward and provide some words of wisdom. And when that part emerged, I asked what name or title it wishes to be called. And I simply asked for wisdom regarding uh, the accusation. 
And the first thing the higher power part did was to tell the other two parts to quit accusing it of being an entity <laughs> because it was a <laughs> legitimate part. And also it spoke to the part, the part called itself angered. And the higher power part said, it's time to get back to your original purpose, which was to be her inspiration. So uh, I want you to change your name to Muse, be her Muse. Hmm. So then her inner conflict was resolved and the part that admitted that it was responsible for sabotaging two previous sessions of either parts therapy or ego state therapy, which broke the agreements made in two previous mm. sessions, now was willing to cooperate because it was at last finally accepted by the other mm. parts. Mm -hmm. What the part was angry about was the fact that she was so busy being a good wife and a good mother and a good psychotherapist, but she never took time to do what she wanted to do. She was always giving to others, but never giving to herself. Mm -hmm. And um, when the session was over, a gentleman in the second row back stood up. He was a psychologist. He said, I've been a psychologist for, uh, I think it was 14 or 15 years. Anyway, it was uh, over a decade. And he said, I knew exactly what I was going to do. And he said, I would have done the wrong thing. He said, thank you for demonstrating client-centered <laughs> hypnotherapy. Ah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, on very rare occasions, but only if the higher power part tells me to, will I dismiss a part. Mm. Yeah, you know, when we teach that sort of thing, we always want reintegration because it's like it, it's like excluding a kid on the playground, right? Yes. The kid mm -hmm. on, that's excluded yeah. on the playground is only going to get louder and more violent until you forgive them, teach them, and invite them back into the club, right? Yeah. I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of the essential way that we, we, mm. we kind of talk about that. Yeah. Well, what, what happened, I'll just mention one case where I was instructed to get rid of something. Uh, it was a hypnotherapist who was my client, and she asked me to do a session for her at a national hypnosis conference, and she was obese and wouldn't accept anyone for weight loss because she felt she was being a hypocrite trying to do weight management for someone when she wasn't exactly a, an example of someone managing uh, weight properly. And then... Uh, the conflicting part causing her to overeat was basically a jerk. <laughs> and then uh, the other part accused the conflicting part. I don't remember its name after all these years, so let's just call it silly to make the conversation go faster. Silly was being a total jerk. And then uh, the part of her that wanted to be at her ideal weight, or at least a more acceptable weight, finally said, silly's an entity. It needs to be cast into the light. So I immediately went to the higher power part. And her higher power, when I said, uh, what name or title shall I call you? I am he, she, they with many names, but with no name. But for purposes of this session, you can call me I am because I am who I am. Of course, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> and then 
I said, uh, what are your words of wisdom? And the I am part said something which in the rare cases where I've done a dismissal, ask the question that has always been asked in the rare times I've done this for four decades. Does Martha wish to release it or let it go or get rid of it? And that's not her real name, by the way. And, <laughs> I figured. <laughs> yeah. And she said, absolutely. And yesterday wasn't soon enough. I didn't invite it here in the first place. Words to that effect. And then I said, what are your instructions? I said, I am. What are your next instructions? And I'm expecting to hear words to the effect of send it into the light or something like that. Instead, I am said, this one will not go willingly. So uh, Martha needs to ask for an ascended master to escort it out. And then her eyes are closed. What's he doing here? I said, who? Yahshua. I'm Jewish, both by race and religion. And I said, well, uh, Yahshua, she would like to know why you're here. Well, I was Jewish in my last life. <laughs> and she literally started laughing. <laughs> and then uh, the I am part turned it over to Jesus. And according to the client, Jesus escorted the entity out. Wow. Pretty cool. Fascinating work, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. Now, whether, whether it was really Jesus and a real entity or whether it was uh, a figment of her imagination uh, from a negative part, your guess is as good as mine. Mm -hmm. But it was life-changing for her. And mm -hmm. uh, she looked a lot healthier the next year when I saw her at the conference. <laughs> well, and you know, who wow. really cares if it was a figment of her imagination or if it was indeed a spiritual intervention? She got what mm -hmm. she needed. That's right. You <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. You betcha. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that that and that's it. That's that's all we that's all we can really hope for, right? That the client leaves with with Indeed. what they with what they need. I, mm -hmm. You know, I, I've done some training with Freddie Jackwin, and he, I'm sure you're familiar with with Freddie, and and he always says, you know, people ask him about the science behind hypnosis, and he's like, I don't know anything about the science. All I know is that when a client leaves right. with the result that they want, that's all I care about, you know. That's true. I want to give one more answer to the question you asked earlier about mm. people looking or for casting out parts. Mm. I have helped more than one person who was seriously damaged emotionally by someone assuming a negative part was an entity and uh, trying to get rid of it. Mm. Uh, and I'll give you an example of someone who was in our profession. I was selling books and uh, videos at a hypnosis conference on the East Coast back, uh, let's just say over a decade ago, I don't wanna give you uh, a date because I don't want you to have any clues to who it was. <laughs> and it was uh, 
few minutes before 12. And this lady whom I've known for years, who was both an author and a hypnosis instructor, comes up to me and says, I want to say goodbye. I said, are you leaving the conference early? She said, no, I'm leaving the profession. I said, wow, tell me about it. What's, what's going on? Why are you going? She said, I'm going back to my old career. I said, please have a seat and tell me about it. She said, well, several months ago, I went to a hypnosis conference on the West Coast. And she said, uh, I was scheduled to speak at 3 o'clock. And she said, I like to get the feel of the room and uh, the vibes before I talk. So uh, she said, I decided rather than going during the lunch hour, since I was interested in spiritual hypnosis, I'd go to the two o'clock presentation on spiritual hypnosis. And she said, <clears throat> the lady talked about uh, casting out demons when entities were the core cause of a person's problem. And she said, I didn't know that until she asked for a volunteer. And she said, so I volunteered, went up there. And she said, next thing I know, she's casting uh, a couple of entities out of me. And she said, I didn't think I had entities, but I didn't want to embarrass her in front of all of the people uh, in the audience. But she said, when I emerged from hypnosis, I saw four of my former hypnotherapy students sitting in that room. And she said, I felt totally embarrassed to think that uh, my four graduates who were in that uh, presentation would think that their instructor had demonic entities. And she said, it severely hurt my confidence. And she said, uh, when I went back home after the conference, she said, uh, my client base shrunk down less than 50% of what it was. And she said, and I only had four students register for my next hypnotherapy course. She said, so when I certify these four students, I'm going back to my former career. Wow. I've done a few pro bono sessions by offering, but this is the one and only time I ever told somebody they were going to have a session. So I said, can you help me uh, put the sheet over my products? She said, sure. And I said, follow me. She said, where are we going? I said, we are going to have a spiritual hypnosis session. And uh, we walked outside because it was a nice day and people were eating outside. So we walked uh, past uh, the last table where people were sitting and found a table and umbrella uh, 20 feet away from the closest people. And I called out her higher power part and her higher power part. You know, I asked for words of wisdom, what happened? And her higher power said, the two entities that spoke through her belonged to the presenter. They accompany her to give a good uh, performance. Mm -hmm. So what I believe is another lesson from that is that if you go looking for entities, you might find one and it'll be around you and you might not even know it. Mm. And I don't choose and to go down that road. So, so in, in that session, did, did I mean, did, 
I'm just curious. Did she end up leaving the profession, or through the through the session you did with her, did she, did she decide to to continue? It, it saved her career. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, you know, and it's it's interesting because I remember when I first was in the profession, and I was doing a lot of regression. I was doing a lot of parts work because Five Path is inclusive of parts work and regression, right? Oh yeah, I, I, and, I, yeah, I, I knew I Cal very well years ago. And so that was my initial training. And I remember that part of it was we got scripts. I've still got the scripts about how to do casting, how to, how to cast out entities and, and how to do that sort of thing because of how often it happens when you're doing those sorts of, uh, of therapies. Right. And I haven't had it happen to me since I've started working in a different way. Um, but I, I, it was, it was interesting and it's, you've got to be prepared for that kind of, uh, interaction with your client when it happens, because it's very, very strange. And it's, it, it, it you know, when it's real, because I it, will it, agree <laughs> that it is very strange, but in the thousands of people I have facilitated parts therapy for. I would say the number of entity releases that I have done in 40 years is less than 100. Well, I, yeah, mm. good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I, I only, in the years that I was doing that, I did two. Um, and they were <laughs> both me. on, actually both on the same person, um, uh, oddly enough. But at any rate, um, that's interesting that, that, mm. that those experiences happen. Yeah. Well, I have, um, believe it or not, I've been in a situation more than once where I was in the right place at the right time to save the career of a hypnotherapist who was on the receiving end of uh, inappropriate leading because mm -hmm. someone else was assuming that they had an entity. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that's interesting. Well, yeah. this has been a very interesting conversation, Roy. This has, has gone all sorts could, of different directions. I could directions. sit and listen, listen, to, <laughs> listen to you speak and, and, and share stories for, for, for hours and hours, but we know you've, you've got a, a life on the other side of the <laughs> <Yeah>. camera. <laughs> Do you right. want to hear the most positive entity release story I ever did before we Yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> okay. I, uh, had a client who was a business owner and she had a confidence problem. So um, when confidence is related and self-esteem is also an issue, um, usually regression is indicated. So on her second session, I did regression to discover the ISE and the ISE happened when she was five. Her father was going to go out and get the family Christmas tree, and she wanted to go. And her father said, no, this is a man's job. And I'll summarize in just seconds what took several minutes in the regression. She's staring out the dining room window, watching her father and older brother go out the driveway to get the Christmas tree, and she's just crying. And after that session, she told me it was the first time she cried in uh, many months. So she was surprised that she literally cried tears during the session. You know, middle-aged woman, 
successful business owner. And then uh, the subconscious indicated there was more that needed to be discovered and released. So I scheduled a follow-up session to get the activating event. And when she comes in, she says, I know what needs to be released. I said, what's that? She said, I have an entity. I said, what makes you think you have an entity? She said, because he appeared to me last night. I said, what? That really shocked my shoes off. She said, I woke up in the middle of the night and saw this ugly warthog sitting on the foot of my bed. And I said, who the hell are you and what are you doing here? And she said, you invited me into your life when you were five, watching your father and brother go get the Christmas tree. And I've been uh, around you ever since. She said, I didn't invite you in. She said, well, I, she said that the entity then said I was your imaginary friend as a child. And then I said to her, well, I have learned from experience that if either the client or the therapist makes a preconceived opinion about something, there's a 50-50 chance that they'll be wrong. So I would like to call out that part of you most closely connected to your perception of God or higher power and ask for words of wisdom. She was agreeable with that. So when I called out her higher power part, her higher power part did say that it was an entity. And after the question that is always asked, uh, does Paula want to get rid of it? Not her real name. She said, absolutely. I didn't want it in the first place. I didn't know I had it. And yesterday isn't soon enough. <laughs> so uh, then uh, something very strange happened. The part, the Jesus part said, Paula needs to forgive the entity. <laughs> That's kind of unusual. And uh, I said, Jesus wants you to forgive the entity. How can I forgive that ugly warthog for all the problems it gave me during my life? And I said, Jesus, Paula wants to know how to forgive the entity. Simply say three words, I forgive you. And since I have forgiven Paula, she needs to also give the same forgiveness to the entity. It took her almost a full minute to get those three words out. And finally, when she got them out, I said, Jesus, Paula forgave the entity. What are your instructions now? And I'm expecting to be told to send it into the light, which is oftentimes what happens. But this one was different. The entity would like to give Paula a gift. I said, what? The entity wants to give Paula a gift. And then before anything else is said, uh, Paula speaks. How can an ugly warthog evil entity give me a gift? And I, uh, before I could respond, and the tone of voice was different when it was Paula and when it was uh, the Jesus mm -hmm. part. You have my permission to accept the gift. 
either say yes or no. And after about a half a minute of silence, she says, if I have your permission, yes, I'll accept the gift. And then I'm taking a deep breath using my peaceful place trigger to stay calm while I'm in my mind asking God, what do I do next? Because this is not by any textbook I ever saw. And then she has a smile from ear to ear, tears of joy streaming down her cheeks and says, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I said, believe what? She said, the ugly warthog turned into a little boy and said, Jesus is allowing me to return to the light. This is what I'm going to look like in my next incarnation. And she said, Jesus and the boy walked hand in hand into the light and disappeared. I got Christmas (laughs) cards from her every day for years after that. That's really cool. That was life changing for her. Yeah. Yeah, that is very cool. And on that note, let's end on something happy like that. Yeah. 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 Perfect. So, you know, Roy, um, like I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing you in June. Um, And, and yeah, thanks again for being part of the, the conference. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for sharing all of your amazing wisdom with us. And uh, oh, thank welcome. you so much for your books and for everything. A, a snippet of your amazing wisdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to this day, I don't know how Orman McGill knew it was my life path to write books uh-huh. for the profession. Well, but he was right. Absolutely. And, and we're grateful. Absolutely. Before I even wrote the parts therapy or this one, just writing uh, the self-hypnosis book and uh, the art of hypnosis and the art of hypnotherapy was enough for me to have the unbelievable privilege of being inducted into the International Hypnosis Hall of Fame for my written contributions to the profession. And that award was was given to me by a sitting member of the United States House of Representatives. Right on. That was one of the highlights of my career. Wow, fabulous. That's fabulous. We will be very sure to share the link to your website. Um, if with your permission, I'll also share the link to this spiritual hypnosis masterclass that you'll be doing online. Oh, with thank the, you. Um, Please do. Yep. I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. There's going to be For the sure. link to your, to your, um, we're actually in our link. We will include both links for both hypno thoughts for your hypno thoughts. Um, oh, thank uh, you. Post conference and for the Pacific Northwest post conference. Um, yeah. We will thank make you sure so you much are, for all well, of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Marketing has will... never been my strength, but uh, <laughs> others have told me that the quality of my work has been my best marketing tool. Absolutely. And we will put some links there um, to your books as well. So if you're listening, you know, get involved, get involved, sign up to masterclasses, go and see Roy live at at the conferences this year, buy his books. I mean, this, this is one of, one of the the greats (laughs) of of today. (laughs) I'm honored. um, Thank you. Yeah, no, it's been an absolute honor to have you, have you on the show and and thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your day to be here. Yeah. And we wish you the best for both you and your wife. Yeah. May you practice long and prosper. (laughs) My wife and I are Trekkies, I admit it. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. (laughs) All right. All right, Ray, we'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you so much, sir. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Hypnotic Healers podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on Facebook. 
You can also join our mailing list at hypnotichealers.com.